Welcome to the Tim Shell Podcast, where we cover the sacred creative process of engaging with scripture with modern eyes. I am your host, Bonnie Lewis. I'm an author and a Bible scholar, and with me, as always, is Jeremy Armstrong. My name is Jeremy Armstrong. I am her editor. I'm an editor and a author and a um, just a general nice guy for the most part. You so. are a generally nice guy. <laughs> I like that Actually, in yeah, your title. Sounds like uh, bragging when I say it, right? I should let other people say that for me. But you know, I, I don't know. I think it also sounds like you have a, a good sense of yourself in the world. Okay. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Today we're talking about Ruth. But you know that age-old saying, well, maybe it's not age-old. I learned it from a friend of mine, but they said, if you have to explain it, then you ruin it. That's in um, Peter Rabbit, oh. the most recent um, ver- movie version of Peter Rabbit. <laughs> I can tell what you have been doing during quarantine. I don't think I don't think that's the uh, origin of that saying, no, but he does not. say, you know, if don't he just kind of alludes to that saying, "Don't explain the joke." Yes, know, kind of a thing. I, exactly. I still, now, because of that movie, I say it whenever someone tries to explain the joke. I just say, okay. <laughs> "Don't, don't, explain, don't, the don't joke, explain it." <laughs> yeah, and so when we were talking about Ruth, we were like, we could go through the whole thing. And talk about the theology and dig deep and explain it. And then I was thinking, I feel like that might ruin it. So instead, we wanted to talk about the writing process. We're going to try to take the medical stance. Do no harm. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, let's, and before we get there, I mean, isn't that so true about so many things? Yeah. Especially in our our work with Bible stories, Mm -hmm. you can get... And and one of my favorite um, songwriters is Bob Bob Dylan, yeah. and you know there's there's so and I even have, I even have some of his words tattooed on my body. You know? mm, yeah. Um, if you don't believe me that I like Bob Dylan, look at this tattoo. <laughs> 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 like anyone ever would ever not, would not believe me that I don't but, like exactly. Bob Anyways, so but but a lot of times, like there, a lot of people have gone into like, well, what does this mean? Well, what what is this alluding to? Is this talking about the Vietnam War? Sometimes it was, but uh, other times, most of the time, I'm like, no, it just means I walked a white dog beside a, 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 a you know a, beside a dead pony. You know, there's if you get too deep into that, you totally miss the resonance of what this visual sad image um of of decay or beauty at the same time as that so i i think that let's yeah let's 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 just kind of talk about um your process maybe or or our process or okay wait overview it yeah let's overview it but i want to say something about bob dylan because you don't believe that you don't believe that i like him i do believe you you like him do you need to see my tattoo i don't i don't it's the same way that um i love harry potter and if you don't believe me i also have my (laughs) Tattoo. Oh yes! Did you, you forget I got that? No, I I had remembered. Uh, I can see it right now as proof, and it's also proof to me that you do like Harry Potter. Exactly. <laughs> um, but okay, so I watched this. A friend of mine told me he's like, "Watch." You should explain to people. Hold on, sorry to interrupt you, but what we're seeing here—a visual. Oh yeah, okay. It's a visual. <laughs> it's the Harry Potter. Um, it's like a sketch of the Harry Potter glasses and lightning bolt, but then there's uh, turquoise, purple, and pink watercolor around it mm-hmm. on the tattoo and you know what's so funny is when I, I had to go get it and I went by myself because I'm like such a newbie so I brought my two-year-old and they were like she's not allowed in here <laughs> that's, that's rule number one <laughs> I know. I'm like oh um, obviously great this person's yeah. going to also 
bringing lots of friends and Instagram the whole time <laughs> exactly. while she's sitting there. I'm like, oh, okay. So Sai and Scout left. And so it's just me sitting there. And um, I had the guy was running late. So I sat there for an hour and a half. I was more proud of myself that I didn't run out in that hour and a half, right? Because I'm sitting there and like all these people are coming through. Some of them have tattoos all over. And for yes. some reason in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to come out of here looking like that. Like I have no control that there's not going to be a tattoo on my face or like any of this stuff. And then I was freaking out about the needles. I was like so stressed. So then finally I'm like, okay, I'm going in. And so I was like, how big are you going to get it? I was like, I think like the size of a quarter. And so I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to go through all that agony and you're not even going to be able to see it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I was like, how about this big? And uh, he's like, you should, he's like, do whatever you want, but you could even go bigger. So I finally landed on this and I'm, I'm happy with the size. It's a good size. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, so yes, I do love Harry Potter, but I also love, uh, storytelling. It was a sweet experience. We, I didn't read them when they were out, like when they had first come out because I grew up. Harry Potter's? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were sinful? They were totally witchcraft sinful. So gotcha. we, <laughs> I didn't read those. And then I got over that. And so this past year, we all read it as a family out loud yeah. together. And yeah. that was a, a really rich experience for me. It was also my first time reading. I'm not a fantasy reader. So that was like a first time uh, for me. Um, and also just watching what she did, what J.K. Rowling did with story and all yeah. that stuff. It just, I just loved it. So that was a, I do love Harry Potter, but it was also a moment in time for me yeah. and my son. Yeah. I remember that whole witchcraft thing. And when I read them back at that time, I was like, um, and this lessened in the later books, but I was like, no, the witchcraft is perfectly fine. It's the way that they like um, abuse their elders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's naughty. <laughs> he's bad. And like just disregards all rules whatsoever. Yeah, that <laughs> like is that's the worst part of this whole, of the whole book. Of the whole um, book. That is but that so kind of lessened. And there are times when you need to um, eschew some authority. So I guess there's some good life lessons in that too. So Yeah. Yes. Okay, wait. So I've... Okay, wait. I'm switching my Bob Dylan story to a story about since now we're on Potter. So okay. I met with this a friend of mine and he we were talking and I said, I'm working on a project and he was trying to help me like get creatively unstuck. And I said, we're working on a project hmm. and I don't know the end of it and I don't know how to get there. And he was like, yeah. well, well, what do you mean? And I said, well... I want it to say these things, um, but my problem is that I don't want to say them out loud, but I want to make sure that people get what I'm trying to say. And he was like, well, sometimes the risk of creating something is that you don't get to decide if right. people read what they what you want them to read into it. He's right. like, what's your favorite ending or what's your favorite, like, give me a novel or something you love. I'm like, I love the Harry Potter series. I was like, but I hate the ending of it. He's like, why? And I was like, I wanted her to be more explicit with the resurrection stone. There's too many unanswered questions right. with it. And he's like, well, if she, if you could, though, if you could sit down and ask her, would you? I was like, no. <laughs> he's like, well, why not? I'm like, because then it will ruin it. He's like, okay, exactly. And so, like, even in Ruth, like, there has to be some part in the creative process and in the writing process of right. as soon I'm going to put what I need to put on the paper. And I'm going to edit right. it and I'm going to make it be as beautiful and as clear as I can. But 
we have to sort of bake in some sort of loose ends, some sort of mystery, some sort of like life beyond the pages, because when the reader reads it, they're going to get something different than I wrote out of it. And they have every right to, you know what I mean? Because I kind of believe that the second it lands on the page and leaves, leaves my brain and into someone else's hands, it's now their story to read and to look into and to retell. You know, I fully, fully agree with that. One time I was, I was, uh, I went to this, there's this writer, his name's TC Boyle. I went to like this, like, um, little question and answer thing at this tiny little church in Laguna beach. And there was like 50 people there and he was answering questions about, I don't remember which book it was, was immigrants, um, in Southern California, some kind of story. And one of the, uh, one of the ladies said, Hey, so I, I, I'm curious, what did what what did I know what I feel happened here? She's like said some good ending to the story or something like that. And, and she said, but what really happened? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he said, first off, um, uh, I'm not going to answer that because that would be interpretive yeah. <laughs> on my part. Yeah. He said, I'm not I'm not the one who tells who gets to tell you what the answer is to that question. He's like, I'm pleased at your reading of this of my of the ending of my book. Mm-hmm. But and and but I couldn't tell you if that's the way that it is. And, and people, you know, they say um, once it's put on the page, it's no longer yours. Yeah. Once it's it's it's, um, it's put out there, it's. And speaking of the Harry Potter thing, that's why I kind of get frustrated with um, what's her name? Who wrote it again? Rowling, um, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, she she adds in. She now sometimes tries to tell us like. Um, bits and pieces about her characters that she's like, oh, well, I didn't write that in, but he's like, you know, the, the whole Dumbledore is gay thing. I don't mind that at all, but she's not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, like she either puts I, it in or she doesn't. I have to, that should be, it's up to me. That's fine if he is to her, right? but I might not have read that in her in her book if it's not in the text yeah. or if it's not in my reading of it, then she doesn't get to postscript, oh, by, by the, the way, way he's this. you know, or like let's say Harry Potter always loved Hermione or something like that. You just can't, you don't get to say that at this point once it's yeah. been written. <laughs> it's no longer yours. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know. And, and, and another side of what you were, of what you were mentioning there too, I think um, in the creative process, one, one of the things that I've found is I, I'm a, I've got a real sensitive eye. Well, I was an, I was an editor for, yeah. <laughs> for so many years, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a heavy reader as well. But I've got a real sensitivity to when I feel like I'm being preached at in oh, a yeah. story. Yes. Even when I'm being preached at in a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where there's a real heavy hand of where you're trying to direct me. I sense that really early mm-hmm. and it really it really throws me off. And and it I kind of I love both of these guys. And so I'm not if there's anybody listening that's gonna get real mad at me right now, but <laughs> I, I liken the I compare it a little bit to C. S. Lewis mm-hmm. and his Chronicles of Narnia. And Tolkien and mm. his, and the Lord of the Rings stuff. So Lewis, CS, <laughs> uh, not Bonnie. <laughs> um, I mean, he had a he had an end in mind and had a very specific mm-hmm. um, way to get there. Yeah. And I love the stories. He was a good storyteller too, yeah. you know, and stuff. But um, Tolkien didn't seem to have that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of just, and he even has said, he it was started with a leaf and then a whole tree and then a whole universe grew out of this whole thing. Yeah. And he brought it to a fairly good conclusion, but a, not a very pretty one. Yeah. And not a very tidy one. And he wasn't necessarily going, he wasn't, preaching there was you know there's some undertones and things like that right but the way he came about it was i don't really 
know. I think if you if you would have talked to him, I, I didn't know where this was necessarily going. going and I yeah. think in 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 really beautiful and really you know expansive art that mimics life in a little a little bit. You know, and oftentimes you get to the end and you're like, wow. I, I kind of did say something. I didn't know I was going to say that at the beginning. Yes, yeah. Um, and a lot of times too, peep, you're, people are allowed. I've heard, you know a lot of times authors don't want you to know that they actually didn't have anything really in mind. But that is very often the case. They're they're writing, and when other people interpret it, they will go, "Oh yeah, I did mean that." <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. or, <laughs> like, oh wow, yeah, I guess I did write that thing. Yes. I'm yeah. pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and, and uh, honest, really good writers will be, will tell you that they're like that this wasn't my intention. Um, but now it kind of is. And I'm going to start using that. Yeah, like, now the, I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But no, I, and, and that's okay to, to me. And there's two, you can do it two ways. Obviously you can say, Hey, I've got this really specific goal. I've got this outline planned out and I wanted to hit this. But if you, if you stick too close to that, or if you hold that too tightly, you're you're gonna miss some of the beauty that might be available to you yeah. um, in that in that process, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's and that is kind of what happened with Ruth because I I liked the story um, about this idea of this woman that that partners with God. I liked the yeah. idea of this partnership thing because I think a lot of times we hear a lot of talking of like where is God now, um, yeah. and then you hear a lot of people say like. God is working through human agents and like doing these things. So I liked that idea. But then when we started writing it, I was like, oh, that's practically spelled out maybe in two places. (laughs) What am I going to do with the rest of this thing? Um, And so I think I remember writing it and sending it to you. And then it was like, we were both like, we need to rewrite this. Right. Because I was like trying almost to make everything fit into that one thing. Right, and this is one of those stories where um, where God is not an is not the primary actor. He's not yes. even an actor. Yeah. in the story, there's you know there are certain ones in the in the Old Testament in particular where um, you know like um, Joseph, you know, just different st- like wisdom stories where there's other stories where God's like creating things and <laughs> stepping in and you know causing armies to you know flee or whatever it is. Um, but in this one. It's just like a normal person. Well, not necessarily normal, but um, it's just a person who's trying to walk through these crazy situations and they're having to trust in God and God's kind of absent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's there's like we you hear them say, well, I'm going to trust in this or I'm going to believe in this. And I think that God's going to come help me. But he's not really doing any of that in this particular story. It's a little bit more like how kind of we experience experience us. You know, some people may have the direct finger on their shoulder tapping, but most of the time throughout our days, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to I'm just going to kind of move forward with this this feeling move towards that light as we, as we have mm-hmm. said, and, um, and then kind of believe that, that God's in this, you know, as long as I'm doing it according to scripture and, re- and my perception of this and the reality of, of the situation. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think even on some levels, there's some parts of the story where she's like, I'm just going to move where the food is, where the safety is, right? Like she, very yes. practical level of, right. I need right. to eat. I need to take care of my family. And so and so I often think about that because I don't, at least in my life and in most um, American evangelicals that I know, that's not, no one's rarely thinking of that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. 
we've had times yeah. where we've been paycheck to paycheck, but I'm like, but tomorrow I know we're going to get, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so it's not this reliability thing. So it's tough because you want to draw that out, but you don't, like I said, want to ruin it. Right. Right. First. Yeah. Um, it's you, you, we wanted to, to, to help people that have, to, who struggle with first world problems that are yeah. definitely issues mm-hmm. and people who, and, and the thing about it is even if you're in the first world, you experience tragedy, obviously, you know, yes. this. Yeah. I know this deeply, deeply. Um, so what you want to do is help people resonate with the story and help them unearth some of the tragedies mm-hmm. that they've experienced in their own lives through empathy with the way that some the tragedy that someone else is experiencing and you want to make that really you don't you don't want to make it fake you know you you want this to you want to be like you can't and you can't just say well ruth was sad you know right like she was screaming because it's like wait why well and i think the big the biggest thing about storytelling that i've learned is when we go far enough into the particulars of someone's story it points us all to like a universal so i think we started with that in this one really drawing out like what it was like to be for Naomi, what it was like to be in her, like they had kind of a war. There was a war going on. There was no food. There was chaos. She had to leave. So what that would be like. And so we went heavy into the particulars there (laughs) in hopes that we could find somebody. It would point us towards the universal suffering universals need the particular, right? Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And so I was happy to, like learn that and to frame it in that way, you know? Right. Well, it's just like what you would do um, if you were writing a zombie story. You ever wonder, <laughs> you ever wonder why zombie stories start with the guy in the hospital? <laughs> I haven't read any zombie stories. I don't like okay. stuff like that. Or movies. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> I love them. So, but, but the funny thing about it is, that, and there's all these tropes, but they always, almost always in, in the tropes, they start with a guy in the hospital by himself, you know? So there's chaos in the world around, you know, all this stuff is happening. But if you were taught, if you, if you were like, if you said, Hey, the world was in chaos, we would have no connection point with it. Right. And you just start saying, if you started showing like all this, just random brain eating all throughout the world, people would just kind of tune out because it makes no sense. But you zoom in on the particular of the guy who opens his eye in a hospital room and he's confused. You got to start there. People have to have a touch point before you get to these big, huge themes of what's going on. And, you know, you can, you can, at that point, there's something that you can emotionally relate to. You're like, oh, this, I could do, I can emotionally relate to waking up and being a little bit afraid in a hospital room. You kind of have to baby step people to this bigger story. Um, And that's, like you said, I like that you, that you said that you were, you know, you read Harry Potter now in order to understand storytelling in some ways. You, you're like, I'm enjoying it with the kids, but as I do that, I want to see, oh, why did she have Harry start at um, the Dursley's home? You know, yes. at, at, at yeah. the, the beginning of each of these books. Because mm-hmm. there's a process of her style that, that had to bring you into this story by reminding you that Harry's world is not the same as everybody else's. You know, his, his complete, and in some ways to bring it back to the biblical, I don't think she was trying to be biblical at all, but he, he is, like the Israelites are slaves, were slaves, that was their origin. Harry is an outcast, he's an orphan. That's his origin, you know? And that particular, even though I'm not an orphan, if you can accurately help someone step into that, it unearths orphan things in me. And so all of a sudden I am drawn into this story without ever having to 
been have through exactly it. what yeah. he's been through or whatever it is. But yeah, and so yeah. we, I remember when you had, you know, the first draft, we both kind of read it and we're like, yeah, this is good, this is good. But I just remember thinking, we really need to, if this is even going to work in the Tim Shell manner, you know, we need to really delve into like, let's just get into what it, what a, what a war zone looks like. Right. And, 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 and we were just kind of like, yeah, we need to, we need to just really flesh that out. Right. So what was, how did you do that? Did you have visuals about that? Did you think, <laughs> did you, I know did that you, was like, tough because again, it's like you said, I like, so in order to write it, I had to immerse myself in the thing too. So I was like, okay, let me look up stories of, mm. um, and so I read a ton of real life accounts from refugees. And that's actually, a, let me just interrupt you for yeah. a second. That's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually good. You know, I used to, when I would, um, review music and just, I'm saying this for writers out there, when I would review uh, music, I would, I read thousands of reviews, you know, (laughs) like just to get the language down, to just kind of hear what people were saying, get the cadence of what those things were. Exactly. And I used to be like, well, you're cheating. No, you're inspiring yourself. When you read poetry, you read poetry to write good poems, you know? And so if you're out there and you're like, well, where do I start? I don't even know what to write. Just read, read the same things thing that with are songs. brilliant. Listen yes. to write great Listen. songs. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And yeah. so it's good. It's, it's a good thing to do in your creative processes. Get out there, find those things that inspire you, use it. And even here's another thing, copy it a little bit. You I was know, you just, just going to say that. I'm like, there's going to be a phase where you're going to copy it a bit. Yeah. I almost yeah. think that that's essential to find your own voice, right? Like Absolutely you copy it a bit it and then you'll notice as you're copying it, you tweak something. And then right. you can go deeper into that tweak and you're like, oh no, that's more me. I mean, I w- there was whole stages in my life where I thought I was J.D. Salinger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I tried to say things were crummy and that, you know, that lousy kid, you know, and yes. that Ackley kid, you know, just stuff like that. And that's how my writing sounded. And which is awesome. And I actually did it on purpose. I wrote these stories as if I was J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Um, now, if you ever read anything that I wrote, you may or may not hear some of that in there. Right. But it 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 is for me. It I'm is like, for you. I'll throw, yeah. I'll throw in like the, that kid or do whatever you know, just some of his some of his little ways that he writes. And but it's more of an homage at this point. I'm not saying I'm I'm trying to write his style, but it helped me to mm-hmm. like you just said to find. Oh, to and find I think it's better sure. to practice, even if you're going to copy or never do anything yeah. with it or throw it out, than it is to never practice because you don't know your voice. I have so many stories like novels or short stories that I have literally just written the whole thing. And then I haven't even saved it. I've highlighted it and hit delete. Right. <laughs> Which oh, no. I know I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that is so sad that to is hear. Sad. <laughs> but it was more like, I just needed to get it out. I just needed no, to do right. something. It. And it's it. better to practice than to right. do nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't, it's the same thing with anything else, but for some reason, I think people do have a little, um, they, th- and here's the truth. I think people think that, practicing a creative art, especially if it's not the thing that brings them the money um, and pays the bills and pays the rent is frivolous. And by all means, it is a little bit, right? Like there's probably not an end of the world scenario where art will save everything. I mean, maybe in our poetic dreams, there is, (laughs) there is, (laughs) but like in reality, um, there's not, but Tim engineers will save the world. Not necessarily true or farmers, (laughs) but like, um, but in reality, then how much more then should we create? Do you know what I mean? I'm, right. To me, I'm like, if there's really nothing to lose and it is for pure joy and it does help 
people come more human and all these things, then we absolutely should create and we should spend time practicing and doing things because I think it, it does speak to our humanity and it's something that does bring us together. Yeah, we are as an, and we are called. We we are called to artists. I'm saying. I, I think we and I, I'm, you know, I'm putting myself in that category. But I think everybody is in that category to a, to a certain degree. You know, um, we are called to bear witness to life. Um, everybody lives. We all experience the, what we're experiencing. Um, but you are called to. I am called to. Is somebody who's listening to this is called to bear witness to that experience so that others might resonate with it. You know, that you can just live and that's fine, or you can live and document it. And if you find great joy and, and, and great, um, you know, it, if, you, if it brings you a lot of satisfaction to document, you know, what's your experience, and if it resonates with others, then that's one of the great, um, it's one of the great callings for humanity is to do that. Not everybody has that call or um, desire, I would say ability, but there's a bit of, there, there certainly is an ability to writing or songwriting or any of that. They're definitely there, but you can always get better than where you are right now. So if you have a, if you have a desire to write a song, then do it. And, and, and if you can hone any craft you want, and, and, and so many of these arts are, are crafts that are, that you can get better at, you know, you're not, if you, if you start at, you know, at somebody who can barely write or something like that, you may not become Melville or whatever it is. Um, but you can always get better. You can always raise what you do. So, so, so practice, like you said, Oh, and as you were talking, I remember the other thing we, that I was thinking is we, we, we censor ourselves when you take yourself too seriously, when you're like, Oh, I can't practice that. Or I can't, I can't just give this a shot. And, you know, Anne Lamott, um, one of my favorite writers on writing, her, her famous axiom is, you know, just do a shitty first draft. And if you, if, and that means, you know, just write it out knowing that this is going to be a bunch of crap, you know, that I'm going to, and I always write that way. My first one, any review I ever did, any articles I've ever done, any chapters of things, it's always starting it off just saying, this is going to be a bunch of crap and I'm just going to start writing. And then all of a sudden, hopefully in there you find something that you're like oh okay I, I think I can move from this and and then the other good thing too is you've got the rewriting process yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. just as fun for me actually so. and the editing process of going back and going because sometimes you have when you have a third someone else come in and look at yeah. it they're like oh I see this tie or I see that and you're like oh I didn't see that so I think that's super helpful and it's so funny you said that I was meeting I have a I work with a creative coach and I was meeting with her the other week for this project I was working on and she said so how was it to write this first thing and I said oh it's really good blah 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 and she was like you could tell she was just like calling me on my bullshit <laughs> she was like um okay she's like I sensed reading it that you're a little bit too in your head and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> She's like, did you write your shitty first draft? And I was like, no. She's like, yeah, okay. So she made me sit there and took 15 minutes of my meeting with her that I pay her per hour and write Whoa, it. Oh, But I was so happy she did because <laughs> yeah. A, I was like, I'm never wasting 15. Like that was on me, right? So I'm never doing that again. <laughs> um, and also it just like, I really respect her as a creative coach and as a writer herself and things like that. And so... I was in, I realized I was embarrassed. I didn't want her to see my bad first draft. Mm. And she was like, no, you have to, you have to. Otherwise yeah. you're never going to breathe the life you want into it or anything like that. So yeah. 
It's fascinating. My first, my first writing teacher, who I always go back to, and he was actually on recently on uh, interviewed by um, Rob Bell. His name is um, Dean Nelson. Oh, um, I should look him was, up. He was my original, the original, the first guy who I, who ever said, "Jeremy, you, you're a writer." Oh, <laughs> wow. that's awesome! It, how, and how did everything you meet changed. Him? Um, so he was a uh, he was a professor at my college oh, actually, okay. and the and the reason I one of the reasons I bring it up is you know homage to Dean Nelson. He was so influential in my life. Um, to bring me to my prolific state of blogging at this point. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I still write for a living. I still, you know, read for a living and stuff like that. But um, anyway, a lot of it started with him. And and one of the things he was, he was influenced by Lamont as well. Um, but we started all of our, what he, the, he, I took creative writing with him, you know, as a, as a young, lit, you know, I, will, I don't even think I was a literature major at the tw- point yet. I was probably look, thinking of Bible or something like that. And <laughs> um. And I took creative writing with him, and every uh, class started with that fifteen minutes, oh, fifteen minutes of, of free writes. Yeah. And so it, it was. It's not only did he help me, you know, tell me, hey, this is a worthwhile pursuit. He also has formed, you know, all of my writing since then because it's like, okay, where, where's my fifteen minutes, you know? Yeah. And he would, and you would have to, you would, you just write, you just write as much as you possibly could. And then the funny thing about it was, he'd call on two people to read theirs or at least portions of theirs. So, so you're like, while you're writing this, you're like, I might be published, quote unquote, um, in this classroom. So there's a little bit of that, which is kind of cool too. I thought, you know, you wanna, you you wanna free yourself from that. And when you would hear other people's, you're like, okay, that's fine. I can write, you know, I can write this this drivel right now and stuff. Um, but you also have the slight fear that someone's gonna hear this, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, totally, which I think is actually kind of cool too. You should always have a little bit of that slight fear. Maybe that's where the blogging stuff comes in. Yeah, you know? publish publish it somewhere too, and see if it resonates. See if what you know how people are gonna respond to it. Yeah happy person and even the act of saying it's out there yeah like that yeah. in and of itself i remember when we were about to publish this thing i was like i'm i'm freaking out that someone else is gonna read it besides the three of us or whatever it is <laughs> you know what i mean so just the bravery act of putting it out there and then being able to simultaneously say this is so serious and i'm going to practice it it's also so not serious and i get to have fun to like hold right. those two things in tension mm-hmm. and like this matters mm-hmm. it's going to change the world and it also doesn't matter at all. And whoever loves it, loves it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this oh, weird sure. tension you have to hold. And you even, and the crazy thing is you put it in print. That's the other thing that a lot of people don't re- realize. And I, I worked, we worked in the magazine world for so long and print is so scary because oh, it's you there. go back and read some of these things and you're like, oh, it's, there's no going back and deleting that, on, you know, in, yeah. in the back end of your WordPress site, you know, yeah. it's, it's right there and it exists. And that, you know, that spelling error exists for, for eternity. I, so <laughs> every time I read the thing, I'm like terrified I'm going to find a spelling error. And then I always think. It's okay. Jeremy read it. <laughs> so, I have this well, like and, net of safety. And as as um as much as I appreciate that, I I can guarantee you there are spelling errors. Oh, you yeah, know what there, I mean? There but, always will be. Yes. Yeah. It, in every magazine, I had uh, not everyone, but I ha- often had people co- uh, send me. I've had this once. I didn't. Okay, I'm over exaggerating this, right. but I had. But it felt like every has, time. Exactly. <laughs> one was yeah, enough. I had someone's. Send me back the magazine with red pen of the grammar errors <laughs> in the magazine. I go, wow. You're like, I you think, know what? I'm like, what, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish with this? You yeah. know, kind of a thing. That's really wonderful. But that, it, you know, and I, and oh, go ahead. The, the, but the good thing is like, well, I looked at it 
copy editors looked at it. You know, my my publisher looked at it. Bonnie looked at it. You know what I mean? So so I'm like, it, 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 if it got by all of us, and then there, we did our best at this point. You know, and and you and you had to hold some of that lightly. You had to have some bravery that that you're gonna have critics out there, and you're gonna have people say, "Look what you did wrong." Yeah. But that is, and that's scary. And and that's the scary to me. It's one of the scariest part of of creating is putting it out there and someone responds to you their response is not this resonated it is look what you've done wrong here and and that keeps me from writing something that could keep us from podcasting yes, you know what i mean totally totally no i think you're so right and it's this exactly what you're saying it points to this critic and the the thing that's funny about it is that i have found that the people that are the most critical that have the time to sit there's a YouTube video about Tim Shell that I haven't watched because I don't care. Oh, wow. But it's this no woman. Way. Yeah, it's like a 25-minute video. Oh, Someone sent it to me. It was like, have you watched this? And I was like, no, and I'm not going to. And it's <laughs> this shouldn't. woman that's like talking about how it's like the what we did here was is, quote, dangerous. Hmm. And wow. um, when I read <laughs> that, I cracked up because like the idea that like this rando... 35 year old woman in Hutto, Texas is dangerous to you and your whole system of belief. Like that right. tells something more about you and your system of belief. Yeah. Um, this could tear that this, this could take it all apart. This could <laughs> this <laughs> approach to this, to the way that to your, to the sacred text possibly um, that this is a real affront to the almighty that you yeah. believe in. Yeah, exactly. Know? Um, so that was, that's part of it. And then the other part is that I have found that the people that yell the loudest, the biggest critics are the people that aren't making their own art. Um, I have often found that sometimes I just, I've learned to just sort of smile and be like, I appreciate that or, or ignore it. But if when they keep pushing to say like, you know what, you make your own art and see how that goes. Like I'm allowed to make mine. Um, and you're allowed to make yours. And so I don't know if there's, you just, you have to know there will be yeah. critics, but you don't have to write to the critics. I think that was probably my biggest thing. And even in Ruth. So let me go back. So you said, you know, what did you do? So I read a ton of stories about accounts. Oh, we're talking about Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> about <laughs> refugees, uh, because, and like a war torn country and why yeah. people would flee and what they would do. And so that informed this first part of, we called it chapter one bitterness um informed this first part of the story and um what's funny about that is that when so when we we're doing it like obviously we wrote all that into the text there's not a big description of what it is she's going through but it was that universal particular balance that we wanted to find and like you said if we can point out these particulars of what it was like to be a refugee it will unearth something of a of that in us um and so we wanted to do that but the um it is an art form like to be able to write like that and to do that is an art form and so then the where where i think the rub is for some people might be are you allowed to bring art into the bible are you allowed to bring a writing process into the translation right and i for you and i i think we would both agree like you have to um but for some people it would be the opposite of these are the rules and you went outside the lines and we and Part of what it what to me when you when we talk about dangerousness or whatever it is, um, I feel like people do are artfully engaging the scripture when they 
pastors are yeah. artfully engaging the scripture Agreed. every Sunday. Yeah. You know, and and I think that anybody who's ever written a Bible study is is engaging the scripture in in this in this particular way. Like I've I've been to two incredible Bible studies or you know where I'm like that was a very profound approach to what this is. They didn't they didn't they just didn't happen to write it down and call it an idiomatic translation of the Bible. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but but some of the intent or some of the approach to what was going on there is the same as what you did and what what we did together is saying, hey, let's this is how we're reading this. Um and not only is that okay, <laughs> it's our sacred responsibility. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and we mentioned this before too, but the it's that to me it's that Ignatian prayer style too. It's 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 taking this story for more than just the words that are on the page and saying, okay, let me pray into this. Yeah. Let me imagine into this. Into this, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, um, and you know, once again, you've mentioned this, but the, but that's a traditional Jewish approach to, mm-hmm. to reading the Bible as well. Midrash, yeah. you yeah. know, let's, let's find kind of the, the subtext, the story behind the, su- the story and let's engage in that. And they believe it so much that oftentimes those, that interpretation of the sacred scripture becomes likened to scripture it's that much becomes part of the tradition oh this is the story of the behind the story kind of a thing and so you and i love engaging in these things but i so that's almost i don't want to respond to that person who calls this dangerous but it kind of is my response to that you know what i mean it's like there it's dangerous in as much as it's going to make me you know passionate about the story of god (laughs) you know because i'm engaging with the spirit in this way you know i think that when you call something dangerous that's happening, you know, all over the world, then I'm not sure how we're sp- supposed to engage with scripture. And, and, and are we just supposed to just like let it sit there on the page? Um, I feel called to engaging um, scripture in a dynamic way that changes you and changes with, right. you know, your stage yeah, no, of life. Exactly. You know, and I too. think too, this idea, I was just reading that book. I was, I bought it like six years ago and then I never read it. And then I saw it in my shelf and I looked at it this weekend and I was like, you know what? That's six years and it's made through two moves of times I've gathered books and thrown them away and I didn't throw that one away. So maybe <laughs> there's something here. So I picked it up and it's Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. And she's talking about, oh, it's about the creative process. It's really good. And um, one of the things she says in there too is like, so you have this calling for art. You have these experiences you've been through. She's like, what happens is a lot of people are only defining art what they've ever seen. She's like, so if someone's like, I've never had any musical background and I don't know anything about music, but I'm going to now learn a guitar. That might be something that you want to do. She's like, but for most people, we have to look back and go, what is it that I know? And then use that thing and engage yeah. it creatively, mm-hmm. you know? And so to some degree, right. that's what we did here. Like I n- have studied the Bible and been to a ton of school for it, um, but I wanted to engage it creatively, right? So like, so for so many of us that are like, I want to be creative, but I don't know how to do it. It's usually stuff you're already doing. You just have to figure out how to talk about it in a new way that brings you life and brings you joy and um, upend something. Right. Yeah. And and also in, in that vein, I, I've had to do this even just this, this past week where, like you just said, like, well, I you, we look at um, what a Bible translation looks like to other people. Or we look at what a, from in my particular experience, it, um, uh, I look at what a spiritual essay, <laughs> you know, a personal narrative book looks like, um, out there, but, and, and I'm, I'm working on something right now that I'm like, I, I just, I've been stuck a little bit and I'm, there's just been a lot of life going on and stuff like that. And, and I, and, and I was reminded, but 
that I'm aiming for something that is not necessarily my destination for this. You know, what, what I need to ask myself is what does this book on spirituality, these essays, what is it, mm-hmm. what is it to me? Yeah. What is it when yeah. I write this book? You know, I, I'm not going to, you know, if I look at it the way that, and I, and I, and I try to get to it the way that C.S. Lewis wrote this book or, or, or one of those people or Anne Lamott, how she would have written this book, then I have this goal that's not necessarily mine. And I haven't captured my vision for that. And, and I'm having to rethink this and go, okay, maybe it's not. 600 pages. Yeah. Maybe it's 40 pages. Yeah. You know, or whatever, you know, those, there's just like, like surface examples of it, but you did this as well with, and, and I, and hopefully me too with Tim shell, you know, that's what these translations look like. That's what these, and you said, but what does it look like to Bonnie? You know, and it looks like what I'm holding in my hands and it's perfectly, you know, uh, unique to you. And even like some of the spacing that you chose, you know, some of the, even as much as like where Sai came in your husband and, and did some of the design elements that were specific to like how the pages are laid out. You know, those are, we're all, we can say how other people do it and this can be the goal, but that wasn't the goal. It was, how is, how's Bonnie going to write this? Yeah, you know, yeah. how is, how is Tim shell going to be, you mm-hmm. know? And it, 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 that was one of the big, great successes of, you know, of, of what you accomplished with this particular mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah. I uh, appreciate saying, you saying that cause it's true. It's, it, and I think that, among anything else, if we can all take our art and take it out of the genre that we think it's in and be brave enough to edit that a bit and rewrite it a bit to what it is to you. And the best thing I can is um, advice that I'd ever been given to anybody that's starting any creative project and tell me if you feel like you've experienced this because with your book that you have, and please also tell everybody your book title because I've read it and it is so good, um, <laughs> is that... Um, when you write something, it's here to do something to you first, oh, yeah. to change you in a way first. And then once it's said all that it needs to say, it's going to go then and change other people. Then it's ready to be out into the world and to print. But it has to do this working on you. Does that make sense? Like you're creating oh, something, but it's 100%. creating in you first. I, a lot of times, uh, I don't know what I think about something until yeah. I've written an essay on it. You know, yes, I mean? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, sometimes I'll be like, "Man, this is a pretty, this is a pretty complex, um, you know, topic." Right. And I just, I just don't understand it. So let me just write about it. Let me write. Let me kind of end that process of writing essays or whatever it is for me. Um, it, it brings about kind of not even not just what I think. It's not like my there set in stone, boom, you know. But it brings about a better, bigger understanding for me. And then you have this finished product that you're like, oh, oh, um, wow, I didn't even know that I that this was within me you know yeah, that's part I of that yeah I didn't even realize I thought that yeah. yeah yeah um and you, the book that I've written it's kind of funny it was it's you asked so it's it's the it's called impolite questions for a generous god um and it's kind of funny because that even now it represents um a very kind of dark time in my life you know it's a, it's definitely not a time that I'm in now um when I when I read back over some of those essays um it they 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 resonate, um, but I, there's kind of a there's a it, there's just a over overture. No, there's just a motif of um, dissonance um, just within all of the words that were there, and I'm proud of that in some way because and I could be ashamed of it, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's it's me stamped in a time. It's me bearing witness for myself and like, you know, and, and hopefully for the rest of the world. So, and, and, and honestly, I, you like, you know, those rare occasions, but I have had a couple of people say, man, this, 
um, you know, particular essay on the dark night of the soul, you know, was so honest and so real. Um, it was what I needed. And honestly, this is like two people who, who there's only been about two people who've read this book, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> those two people, yeah. they, sometimes the end, you know, there's a, there's a story of my mom passing away. So there's yeah. some, some, some difficult stuff going on in that, but there's also, but what I also like about the fact is that it's still kind of true to me because I find it hopeful. <laughs> it was, I hope, yeah. I, I, I don't want to like, like the, the TC Boyle thing. I don't want to interpret that book for anyone else, but when I read it, I find a lot of hope actually in there as well. Um, but also thinking back to that, I'm like, so where am I now? Because I'm not necessarily there. I'm in this kind of still in this creative liminal space where um, the next thing is coming and I'm working on some more things too. And I'm actually doing this with you, which is yeah. part of my, <laughs> my exactly. creative you yeah. know, outlet as well. So it's just kind of like, but you have to, you have to do what you've said before. You have to say, okay, where's the light? But you also have to give yourself a little bit of a break. And then you also have to say, so, but what does this mean for me? You know, I've got, I've got 150 pages sitting on my desktop and I'm just like, well, what do I do with this? You know, it, it makes no sense. Um, maybe I just trim it all away, you know, trim all the fat or maybe I just, uh, maybe I just, I have to relook at it and say, what is this to me? Am I done? Is yeah. this done? You know, is this or done? is this, is this or do this, I keep do I need to sit this? on it? Yeah, exactly. Do I right. keep living with it? And the other thing I want to say, and then we can wrap up because I, we, we, have, we started it. We we're like, we don't know what we're going to say. And then now we, this is one of our longer ones and I love it because there's love so much too. you can say about this. We'll talk about Ruth for sure. And it's a great, it's, I know that this chapter is resonating with people and stuff, but yeah. I mean, it, it just was interesting that it moved into the creative process for us, but, yeah. um, but partially that's just the nature of this story too. It is. And when I kind of love, part of what I love about it is seeing what it's unearthing in people, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't right. suggest that this one would be the one that would speak to us. Do you mm. know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it, it has been. So I kind of like love just letting, seeing what comes up for people. But the thing I do want to say <clears throat> to anybody that is, like you said, like, what does this mean for me? So I have 150 pages is I think one of the worst things that we can do, if you want to send your thing off to get noticed, to get published, to get a record deal, to get a thing, do it, right? Like keep doing it, keep sending it off. But if we wait to put our art out into the world before somebody else gives us permission, then we might not ever do it. And that makes me so sad about all the art that wouldn't be there if we don't just do it, if we don't just do it ourselves. You know what I mean? Like you and I, nobody really gave us permission. We just were like, let's do that thing. <laughs> and so we just did it. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think there's a beauty in that of going, hey, I have this thing and I, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make it so one person reads it or nobody. It's the act of doing it and the creative process of giving it to the world as a gift back, I think is yeah, the whole thing. No art is ever given permission to exist. Mm. It has to come from your own belief in yourself in some ways or mm -hmm. your own curiosity about yourself. And I and beyond just like a poem on the page, if you're a business person and you want to start a business, that's an art. That's an, Nobody's going to give you permission to do that. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, step out. Yeah. Take the chance. And, and, and. Part of the beauty and um, the life, death, resurrection of the artistic process is that 
most of them are not going to have millions and millions. You're not going to be a Stephen King. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? exactly. Stephen King did, doesn't even believe he's a Stephen. You know, it's like, it's like I, for some reason that resonates with millions and millions of people. Right. And that actually is not the goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the goal is to continue moving in your art and continue to do these things and, and continue to put them out there. And I do truly, honestly believe that putting it out there is an important aspect of the artistic process um, of, you know, p- finally putting something on the page and publishing it, whether that's in a blog, whether it's pushing it out to an, a potential agent, you know, you're going to learn in that process, you know, and, and you're going to, you're going to get better at what you're doing and you're going to get some feedback and, and you're just, that it's just, it's the growth process. You know, they say like um, in fitness, in the fitness world, which I have no, have no clue about, but they say, you know, the, having a nice cool tone body isn't the goal. It's the result of a fit life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. It's you not know? just like this week where we worked out hard. It's like, no, this whole big thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so similarly, you can look at that. This is like, you know, so there's a lot of people who um, make a living off their art. I love them. That's awesome. It's incredible, you know, um, but it's, that's not, it's not the goal. It's the result of living this passionate artful existence where they're where they're creating and they're not and they're they're taking permission for themselves and they're going ahead and putting it out there and they're falling on flat on their faces <laughs> yeah you know, again and, and again and, and mm-hmm. then doing it again and doing it again and doing it again with 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 all kinds of messy desires yeah yes, <laughs> and, yeah and all kinds of you know who knows what in in me is making me put this out there but let's just keep doing it and in the process i'll learn that about myself and i'll learn about the healthy reasons to do this um but you've got to start by by giving yourself permission and also just doing a shitty first draft, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Again and again and again. And again. Yeah. And, and again. hiring a good editor. Oh. You need someone. You need a third set of eyes. Even if it's just someone you trust and their music opinion. Yeah. Hey, what is this missing? What is this Hey, what missing? do I need? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. gosh. Well, uh, I hope you all enjoy Ruth and the creativity that it brings to you and the unearthing it does to you. But... If nothing else, let it be an example of like, oh, this is what it looks like to look at something creatively but um, and to find truth in that. Right. Bye, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.